The No Quarter Given podcast is brought to you by BuckPower.com, Titan Home Lending, TicketSmarter.com, and our Florida realtor, Drew Felios. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, welcome in, Buck fans. No Quarter Given podcast, unfortunately, the last Broadcast of the regular and postseason as the Buccaneers fall in the divisional round 31-23 in Detroit. A very competitive game for the Buccaneers. An opportunity which we will get into some of the details that the Buccaneers had an opportunity late in the game to potentially get back in the game. But the Bucs fall just a little bit short in an incredible run here. Not many people saw the Buccaneers in the divisional round and being as competitive as they were in Detroit. Want to welcome in our panel of guests this week, our normal Mr. Peter Blake. Welcome in, Peter. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing well. I know you're recovering from the Royal Rumble uh, in Tampa over the weekend. This is Gasparilla weekend. Uh, yeah, I am. And I tell you right now, it was a great Royal Rumble. But uh, the worst part about it is I decided to, uh, you know, kind of blow out my back. So I was kind of, you know, Going to the Royal Rumble, enjoying that, but then dealing with back pain at the same time and then doing all this walking, so it didn't necessarily help. And I have no idea, kids, but if you ever hurt your back out there, you know, just get it looked at. You know, don't continue to do what you're doing because it hurts it even worse and it doesn't get any better. So there you go. Royal Rumble was amazing. The weekend was amazing. Let's go with the No Quarter Given podcast here on the Buck Power dot com podcast network i'm ready to go let's do it and, and see and see Pete. this is what happens when you run the streets all these weeks during the regular season you're questionable in the playoffs with a back injury all that concrete and up and down down mabry during the regular season man this is what you this is what you get jason i told you, you got to be my chaperone out there uh you weren't <laughs> running with me so uh, <laughs> now eventually i'm gonna have to have a wheelchair in order to go down uh del mabry at this point but you gotta run with me my friend i can't run anymore i gotta walk fast all right we'd like to welcome in our man from a, across the pond mr paul stewart the curator of the great buckpower.com website which we talk about all year long all the highlights all the audio stats anything you need buck bucks related buckpower.com welcome in mr stewart well, thank you very much, guys. Yes, it was a, a sad end to the season. I think, actually, having seen how many plates of press box food Peter was eating this year, all I can say is, in hockey terms, it's an upper body injury. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, Phil. <laughs> like the venerable Gordon Soli, a lower Lombard. The lower Lombard region was filled up due to all the... What was the all right, Peter Blake? Give me the best meal of the year. What was the best meal of the year in the press box? I think it was the last meal with Philadelphia. I mean, you had the little pork loin there, like a Spanish kind of deal with a little uh, Dijon mustard and some potatoes and and plantains. So, not there bad at all. Not bad at all. It was good. Probably the best meal of the year, which they saved the best for last against the Philadelphia Eagles. Which, by the way, 
that was very enjoyable because I decided to eat about three plates after that blowout win. <laughs> and Paul Stewart, for you, you actually got to see the Lions game, 3 o'clock Eastern start, which is about 8 o'clock your time, so prime time for you over in England. Give me your thoughts watching the Bucks in prime time in the divisional round. Yeah, I was sitting here with a cup of tea in hand, a lot better than the 1 a.m. start for the Philadelphia game. What I would like to say is, having been in the press box, I was there for the Tennessee game. And the little story I'd like to tell you is they had some really nice chocolate cookies. And I went back to get one, and there were none left. And the lady serving said, yeah, the guy in the um, sort of sports web T-shirts just eating the last one. <laughs> I.e. one Peter Blake. Oh, <laughs> How could you throw me underneath the bus like that? But yeah, I had to have it with my ice cream at halftime. So I was kind of, maybe I was harboring them a little bit. Maybe I was keeping them aside just a little bit. All right. So the Buccaneers finished 10 and nine on the season with the playoff games included. Again, a very much of, a, of, of an overachieve of what most people thought the Buccaneers would do this year. Let's do a little uh, recap of the Detroit game here. Uh, obviously, the Bucs lose 31 23. Baker Mayfield throws for 349 yards. Three touchdowns, two picks. Obviously, the last pick was costly uh, there with about a minute and 40 or so left in the game. Mike Evans, eight catches for 147 and a touchdown. And KDOT had a really good postseason with another 65 yards and another touchdown for KDOT. So hopefully this is a step in the right direction for KDOT going into 2024. Uh, Paul Stewart, start with you. Just give me your general thoughts of the game. And obviously, it was pretty competitive throughout. Yeah, the Bucs played the way we expected them to. They played as well as they could. Detroit were just simply a better team. And that's what it came down to. And it was right. It was a touchdown difference. I've got no problem with the results. The Bucs can hold their heads up high. They did everything they could have done that day. Unfortunately, on the day, Detroit were a better team. But, you know, the Bucs took advantage the previous week of a very bad a very bad Philadelphia team who was slumping. And they played exceptional football. So I think we got a little bit carried away with how good Tampa Bay had been in that previous round. I've got no problems. It was a fantastic season. I would rather be, and this is a phrase I used, you know, a few months ago, I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than bitterly disappointed. And I think every Buccaneer fan could be pleasantly surprised with the way they played. But yeah, Detroit, fantastic performance. Hold your heads up high. A great way to end the season. And I love the way the Bucs handled the freezing cold weather in Detroit. They played that exceptionally well that day. <laughs> Back to the reference of the question in the press conference earlier in the week by one of the local non-sports reporters. I can't, you can't give her credit for being a sports worker because so she wasn't. But uh, with the question to Todd Bowles about the cold weather in Detroit, Peter Blake, your thoughts? You know, obviously a tough way to lose. Your thoughts? Uh, just general consensus of the game. Yeah, general consensus of the game is they had opportunities to win this game and they weren't the better team uh, that day. It was, of course, the Lions and. You can't win a game when you don't win the turnover battle, and I don't think Baker, All both of those interceptions were on him. One of those was on Evans. Uh, but again, going back to it, you're, you're trying to make a play. You're not able to do it. I kind of think this defense went back to their old ways, which didn't work, which is not being as aggressive uh, as they were against the Eagles. And Paul mentions it. Look, the Eagles are not – they weren't a great team at the time. They weren't playing great football, but they were very talented – and I thought the Bucs would be able to blitz more, and they weren't able to do that. Uh, they were in this game. And then, for me, it comes down to when you're tied at 17, your defense has to make a stand, and the Lions go down. 
and, and basically, you know, uh, go down your throat there. Five plays for 75 yards, 24 to 17. So overall, a, a great season. I think a lot was expected. We said on this show nine to 10 wins. I said 10 wins. Uh, but did we really think they were going to get past the first round? I don't think we did, and they did that. And there, there's a lot of questions to be answered in the offseason, as always. And going back to Mike Evans, if this is the last time you see him in a, a Bucks uniform, and hopefully it's not, uh, he did what he always does. That's consistent Mike Evans, catch passes, catch touchdowns, and, and be productive. Yeah, a couple big moments in the game. Obviously, Jamel Dean going down early in that game became a factor because you could tell they really went after Zion McCollum. Uh, they they ran that wheel route to, to Amon St. Brown for the touchdown out of the slot. So I think that was a key moment in the game defensively. Which, And again, you're right. We did not blitz nearly as much as we did against Philly. Probably a different offensive scheme, so you had to be careful there because the Lions have a lot of weapons as opposed to the Eagles uh, having the the week before. But uh, offensively, slow start. But again, that last drive of the first half really got them going, and then they really started to, to get click in the second half. You and I talked about it, Peter, last week. I thought they needed to come out throwing the ball and really putting the pressure on. They didn't do that till the end of the first half, but then they finally got it going. And then the Baker Mayfield interception at the end, tough to see the game end like that on such a bad interception because the Bucs had a chance. The Bucs had the ball down eight, and they actually got a first down, and Mayfield just throws it right to the linebacker there in the middle of the field. Yeah, the linebacker made a great play. I mean, uh, you'll give credit to where credit's due, this Lions uh, defense, which uh, we thought that, that the Bucks would have that advantage. They, they really stepped up. And then on top of it, you had some offensive breakdowns, especially on that line with Luke Gedeke not blocking Aiden Hutchinson. That That's not necessarily going to work out. The pressure was there all day long. So, you know, once again, some of the questions – uh, that we talked about at the beginning of the year are still there in this offseason and they need to be answered, need to be answered quick. Who's your new offensive coordinator? Of course, I know you're going to get to that. You're changing your offensive system, offensive alignment. So you're going to have to do some shuffling and once again, some main big-time decisions coming for this team. Baker Mayfield come back. Mike Evans come back. Levante David come back. Uh, you know, who knows? Who's the number one priority in the team? Antoine Winfield Jr., does he right. come back? So, yeah. but again, going back to the Lions game, I felt like they were in it. Uh, a lot of people were very critical of the timeout. Listen, even Dan Campbell said that he you left. You have to call timeout there, Paul. I mean, Paul, Paul Stewart, give me your thoughts. How do you not call timeout with 36 seconds left in the game when Detroit screws it up for you and gives you an opportunity on a silver platter? I think both coaches had accepted the game was over at that point and they didn't realise what was going on. So that's what happened. The one thing I want to come back to, Pat, that Peter was just saying about the Lou Genneke play, Detroit spotted something on film where the Bucks were in a certain formation and they could blitz off the edge and Gedeke yes. would have two players coming in on him. And they ran it twice. And it took until the second half for, obviously, you know, the, the Bucks to change their scheme. That was just really clever defensive game planning, studying the film, realising what you can do. So that's why two of the drives failed, because of the big sacks in the first half. So I had to give Detroit credit there rather than criticise the Bucks. That's just yes. NFL coaching. The whole timeout yes. thing, it's been talked to death, put it to rest. Done, finished, let's move on. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, Todd Bowles kind of, you know, he, he reiterated what Paul's point was that the game, he thought the game was basically over. 
I would have loved to have. I, what I'm surprised that, and maybe it happened over the headsets, and we don't know. I'm surprised somebody on that Buccaneers staff didn't, didn't scream into Todd Bowles' ear, "Hey, Todd, they've left us 36 seconds here. We can still call timeout, but we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on after that. They don't call the timeout. You know, I hope this a year from now. I hope this doesn't come back to roost Todd Bowles if for some reason they don't have a very good year next year, and all of a sudden. The, the the questioning of Todd's clock management and such get brought up again, and maybe this situation. Hopefully, this won't be a situation that gets brought up later later in his tenure here in Tampa Bay. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, well, we could always we could always reference the coach who shall never be named on this show decided to gate crash the kneel down play. Right. I remember we still talk about that thing is later, but we will never mention that person's name on this show. Well, and going back to Bowles, you know, for me, it's not the first time he's done that. He's had timeouts before halftime. You know, I'm always wondering, does he get a bonus for those timeouts? And we've seen this clock management issue. So hopefully, you know, they can get it corrected next year because it seemed like, you know, it was very, uh, very frustrating for Bucks fans, very frustrating for us just watching this team with all the time and, and the timeouts that they did not use. And, yeah, I, it goes back to this. I mean, if you do call that timeout, at least uh, you give yourself the opportunity. I, I know Paul wants to move on, but let's say the Lions miss that field goal. You still have some time to move down yep. and, and do something. But if they conceded it, and it certainly seems like the Bucs and, and the Lions conceded defeat, I'm just – that's not – that has not been their attitude all year long. It's been go down swinging, and we saw – you know, the difference between the Buffalo Bills, where you have some time on the clock, you nearly win the game with the Hail Mary. Uh, so anything can happen at that point. It's disappointing that it, it turns out that way, but it comes back to the missed opportunities. It comes back to the turnovers, and it comes back to not being the best team that day. The Lions, give them credit where credit is due. They were the best team. They were the better team, and that's why they're in the NFC Championship game versus the San Francisco 49ers. And when it comes to details, they got the details that the Bucs didn't. That was the difference between Philadelphia and Detroit. The devil was in the details. The Bucs were able you know, to capitalize on those. In this game, they weren't. All right, so Bucks lose 31-23, out, ousted in the divisional round, as Peter mentioned. San Francisco and Detroit playing on Sunday, played Sunday in the NFC title game. Um, and then you got Kansas City, Baltimore in the AFC title game. All right, let's put a wrap on that. Paul Stewart, to you, my man. We're going to reminisce about some early season predictions that we all made. And, Paul, you are the uh, historian. You're going to put an X or a check next to the predictions we made way back in uh, late August, early September. You go, sir. Well, if I was to tell you that I predicted the Bucks would beat Philadelphia, lose to Detroit, San Francisco, Kansas City, Buffalo would all be in the title games. Peter, would you believe me? <laughs> Uh, I don't think I would, no. <laughs> Correct, you wouldn't. Well, <laughs> something we have to give credit with straight away is there's one person on this show who predicted the Bucks would go 9-8 and eight in their division and somehow win a tiebreaker over the New Orleans Saints. Jason Powers, take a bow. You're welcome. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I was right on the money there. I got to take a little credit there. Peter Blake, you owe me a chicken wing that Paul Stewart's not paying for. Or TJ doesn't pay for. You owe me a chicken wing out of your pocket, my man. 
Well, you know, that sounds good. And I, I get uh, absolutely congratulations. You did nail it. Although I missed it by one game with the 10 and seven. Damn the Houston Texans. Damn that Atlanta. Falcons. Right. I mean, there are a couple out there, but congratulations, Jason Powers. Let's definitely go out there and have some wings. You're going to have to, uh, you're, you're going to have to uh, use that wheelchair for me to get down to Bill Mabry in Tampa so we can go and do that if my back continues to be the way it is. Paul Stewart. Well, yeah, go no, ahead, Paul. Not so far, my friends. Can we just calm it down here? Because I'd also like to point out that two people on the same side of the Atlantic picked the <laughs> New York Jets to win the AFC East. Just hang on, because I'm going to go through a few of these, okay? And someone here picked Buffalo to win that division and Miami to implode, so I'm having that one. None of us had Detroit to win the um, North. Um, Peter and I both had Chicago, although I'll give you credit, Jason. You did say Jordan Love would have a breakout season. Congratulations. Um, I'd like to point out we also all had Jacksonville to win the AFC South, because no one in the world saw Houston and CJ Stroud coming through. But... One thing I would like you to explain now to your millions of adoring viewers, Jason, please explain your pick of the LA charges to win the AFC West. Wow, you're right. I did I did say that. I thought I mean Staley turns out to be a disaster. I mean, now they got Jim Harbaugh coming to town. Uh, that might be this that might be the sleeper pick for next year, but you're right. Chargers, just a complete collapse there in, in LA with Staley and all that talent out there and Herbert. Herbert played good, but everybody around him did not. Um, but yeah, that, that was a major uh, thumbs down for old JP over here in Tampa. Well, and I, yeah, I tell I you right now. Yeah. yeah, Peter and I both had Kansas City to win. None of us quite expected that Taylor Swift would be on the cover of Madden 24, being that she's right. the most important person in the NFL. But to tell you, yeah, looking at some of the other predictions, Jason, you had Baltimore to win the AFC North, and you described it as a bloodbath division. Spot on with that one. We all had San Francisco to win. I had Arizona to be a terrible team. But as I said, I do want to, the other one I want to point out is we all had Philadelphia to win the NFC East. But someone here wearing a red Buccaneer cap before he takes it off said his sneaky pick with the New York Giants. <laughs> <laughs> with that one. With that one, I will leave some of our predictions. All I can say, and all the fans knowing this, is... What looks good at the start of the season sometimes doesn't always work out that way. But that's why you do it, because you, you think you know things, but you're not. And as Chris Berman always said, that's why we play the game. I would exactly. just like to go on record that I played a bit better than you two guys. <laughs> Back to you, Peter. <laughs> hey, listen, I, again, I will give credit to where credit is due. You definitely nailed those predictions, but I think there was a lot of people on that that train or on that boat, if you will, that got really that got sunk after Aaron Rodgers went down after the fourth play. I mean, who knows if Aaron Rodgers plays that maybe the Jets with that defense. But yeah, exactly. Sunk, done. The Jets were done. Uh, it was Buffalo's division. You were exactly right when it came to Buffalo and Miami. I want to know the personal predictions about Baker Mayfield because I think somebody on this panel was kind of correct about Baker Mayfield having a turnaround year, right? Give you, yeah, give I'm going to point out, I was, on show, I was on JP's show live with TJ when that, that announcement of Baker signing for the Buccaneers, and JP said to me, Paul Stewart, what do you think? And I said, I'd rather watch Top Gun. 
and Maverick, which if anyone knows, I think is the most horseshit film ever made. I've got no time for it. So I've got no problem that I'm pleasantly surprised with Baker Mayfield. But even then, don't forget, even in the Atlanta game in December, he was about to be benched. Kyle Trask was warming up on the sideline, ready to come in. So although Baker had some very good games, he was not the superstar every single week. But no, I'll give you credit, Peter. You were on the Baker Mayfield train right from the start, and I hope he paid you cash rather than check. Yeah, I definitely hope I got paid uh, something for that. I don't think I got anything for it. But I tell you right now, maybe the Bucks have finally found their franchise quarterback because that'll be the big decision, Paul and Jason, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to re-sign him? I think they're going to. But how much does it cost you? And then I, I kind of talked about it, uh, Jason, and I wanted you to kind of expound on this a little bit. What did you think about Dave Canales, the new head coach yeah. of the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, kind of, kind of came out of uh, out of left field. I think once Dan Morgan got hired to be the GM there, then you could put the put the pieces together with their connection back in Seattle. Morgan worked in Seattle's front office for seven or eight years. Canales obviously was there for a long time, so I think that's when those puzzle pieces started to come together a little bit. The relationship there, obviously, Tepper probably was going to hire somebody who maybe hadn't had any coaching experience because he wasn't going to get a big time coach to go there with as volatile as he is running that franchise. So it's kind of a perfect storm for Dave Canales. Is Canales ready after only calling plays for one year in this league to go from being a quarterback coach to the head coach? I don't know. Probably not fully ready, but you're not turning down six years and about probably $45 million to, to that opportunity to go from where he was a year ago. Think about this, guys. If he didn't get hired by Todd Bowles last year with what happened with Pete Carroll getting fired in Seattle, where would Dave Canales be today if he didn't get hired by Todd Bowles a year ago to be the OC? It's a great point. I think also they could have uh, they they could have promoted Shane Waldron, who also got an offensive coordinator position with the Bears. But you're exactly right; they didn't want to lose him. They lost him to the Bucks. He showed flashes of brilliance, and I really thought you know this offense had momentum the second half of the year, especially that Atlanta game. Even though it was one of Baker's worst games. You look at the last two drives there, to me, uh, that really solidified uh, not only Baker's standing uh, and also that winning streak with the Bucks with the big-time win over the Falcons. But after that, they played some winning football in December, and I think you would have to agree, Paul, that not only the running game came alive, but this passing game, we started to see the playmakers involved even more with the Mike Evans and, of course, a Chris Godwin. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Dave Canal is it's the personality as well as the play design. Yes. He's a person who knows what he's doing. And I had a chance to talk to him at that Tennessee game. I was, I was busy talking with Ira Kaufman and having a picture taken. And Dave Canales came in to photobomb it. Um, we got talking, and once he found out who I was, he said, oh, yeah, I know you're the guy who does all the history about the Buccaneers. And we were talking about that, and we were talking about games in London. He is just a really nice person guy so I'm really pleased for him and the same is another really nice guy got a job Raheem Morris is back as a head coach and in all the years I've been involved in the NFL and excuse you two guys for this one Raheem Morris is the nicest person I've ever ever dealt with and I'm so pleased for him it's a shame it's going to be in our division as well these two guys are both in the NFC South but it's great that nice people get recognized so Dave Canales Raheem Morris a tip of the cap from here in England and remember, Raheem Morris uh, had 10 wins with the team that wasn't expected. Remember, LeGarrette Blunt, Josh Freeman with, uh, what was it, 
25 and six. Uh, you never saw him be able to duplicate that. Mike Williams, the, the the late great Mike Williams at the time, of course, it really has been. I mean, some really great players and some no names that Raheem got the most out of. And I think a lot of people would agree that Morse wasn't necessarily ready for that coaching job at the time, a little bit young. You hope the same thing doesn't happen with Canales and that that crazy owner gives him the necessary time. But I'm happy for Morris because he definitely deserved it, what he did with the Rams and that defense. And now some people have kind of alluded to that may be the biggest competition for Mayfield Services because they hired a quarterback coach there and Zach Robinson uh, from the Rams. Now be he's the OC, to be the OC. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, how much are you going to pay Baker Mayfield? I think is going to be a big-time story. Will Baker take less money at the end of the day? What teams will be in competition? I've gone on record to say I will bet anybody $1,000 that Baker not only will be in Tampa, but he will take less money to, to stay here than to go somewhere else because of the continuity. Even though you're changing from Canales, I think he likes his situation here with the Bucks. I will bet anybody $1,000 he doesn't go anywhere else, and, and I'm sticking to that my friends he's not going to the Atlanta Falcons he's not going anywhere else he's not going to be overpaid in fact I think he'll take less money in order for Mike Evans and for Jason Light and company to get their own free agent signed because he knows how important it is a la maybe a little uh Brady blueprint if you will hey Paul Stewart give a give a shout out to the front office I know you know some of those guys in the front office what a job they did from the scouting department Jason Light and his 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 crew you know, $80 million under the salary cap with dead money this year. They probably, we probably played what 10 or 12 rookies made this roster and played a lot of snaps for this roster. Just give a shout out to that front office for finding these free, these free agents, the draft class that ended up playing a bunch of snaps, Diaby, Cody Mock and company. Uh, I know, again, I know you know a lot of those guys in the office. Just what, what a tough year and to be able to overachieve as well as they did. Yeah, it's the second straight year they've nailed the draft. And, and Scott Reynolds was talking about this with J.P. Peterson on the show his show last week, that the Bucs picked up had 10 starters from the last two drafts. Normally, you'd be happy with two or three, in a, you know, maybe four over those two years. We've got 10. And you look at the likes, the likes of Christian Izzian coming out of nowhere, Cable Merriweather starting, Mike Green on the defensive line. There were undrafted rookies everywhere, and that goes down to the scouting because you have to do it. And, and yeah, you know, I've got to give Jason Light so much credit. Now, the longest serving GM in Buckingham history, and his right hand man, very good friend of mine, Mike Greenberg, who does all the numbers. He's the man who put it together. They did the right thing in going for it with the Tom Brady years. And unfortunately, yes. 22, Brady refused to cooperate by the way he played, and it cost Byron Leftwich his job. And they had to pay the credit card bill this year. And they did it, they paid it off, and the Bucks still won division. This was a success. For the whole Buccaneer organization, right through from the front office to Brian Ford, who even stepped in and joined myself and Peter on the sideline in a post-game show. Everyone in the whole organization can take a bow for a job well done. And, and I think the good news coming out of that whole deal is not only with the Bucs uh, very competitive, they won the division and also won a playoff game. And you talk about it, $80 million of uh, a cap hole but now your cap is going to be in better uh, situation. On top of it, you didn't lose Greenberg to the Carolina Panthers, so now you still have your capologist. And Jason Light, he should be up for executive of the year for what he did with this Bucks team with that cap hit 
of going all in with Brady and the last, you know, two to three years, especially this year. This year, you know, it's it's easy to say, go back to the other years and say you re-sign all your guys. That's amazing in itself. Okay. But when you have an $80 million cap hit and your team actually is better than the year before with the greatest of all time, and I get it, Brady you lost something there, maybe distracted, but you're still better than the team before. Definitely think he deserves, you know, some uh, some mention as uh, the executive of the year. Just my opinion. No doubt. And, and I what I liked about what they did was they took the, all the hit this year. They didn't split it up between two years and take $40 million this year and 40 next. They took the hit this year. They took their lumps. And just imagine how much experience all these young guys have gotten, how much better they're going to be in year two and year three by getting to play all these snaps in a competitive division race playoff situation, I think it's just going to be huge benefit for the Buccaneers moving forward the next couple of years. And Bucks fans have to be excited about the building blocks of this team. You had Kalijah Kansi, who was a rookie drafted yeah. 19th overall. He showed flashes of brilliance. You got Yaya Diaby, Itzien. Uh, I mean, what's down the road here? And the Bucs are going to be picking late. I know there's still fans out there want to see them pick a quarterback. It remains to be seen what you're going to do with Mayfield. I believe they bring him back. I'm not sure if you go and draft a quarterback. I think you more focus on the interior line. Knowing Jason Line, he'll go in second or third round. If that's true, I think you go for an edge rusher or cornerback. I think it remains to be seen who's coming back and who's going to be on this team, especially a Carlton Davis. And a Jamel Dean. And speaking of Dean, I thought he had his best game of the year, but maybe too little, too late, making a, a, a you know, that back end making a lot of money there. The guy that should be making the most money is Antoine Winfield Jr. That's another big decision that Jason Lightning crew uh, have to work with. Yeah. So a couple of the moves that people haven't been talking about is Russell Gage, who got injured in preseason. And that really hurt the Buccaneer offense because he was due to be the third receiver. And that yeah. the whole offense was predicated around one back, one tight end, the 11 formation, three receivers, and Gage doing the underneath work. And they had to readjust when Gage got injured. Now, Gage carries about a 12 million cap hit next year. He won't be back for that money at all. Chris Godwin has got about a 24 million cap hit for next year. He will get renegotiated which is the way to the three more money up. So that's yep. the way the deal will get done for the Winfield, the Worth deal. There's still a franchise tag that you can put on a player, depending where you go. My view with the defensive backfield, you don't touch it at all. You can afford Carlton Davis. You can afford Jamel Dean. You keep them there because they are proven NFL cornerbacks. They do not grow on trees. And it's no good the average fan going, oh, well, he didn't make that tackle. He didn't make that play cutting. That's moronic. You cannot do that. You've got to stick with what you've got because they are the proven commodity. The one play you get rid of is the Ryan Neal experiment, which didn't work at safety. That's fine because Winfield is the main person. So, yes. so that's the way you work on Winfield, but you don't just cut a bunch of players just because they missed a play halfway through the season. I stick with that. You, you say, trust the Buccaneers. They know what they're doing. And just because your average Joe makes a comment on a social media post, you don't have to believe that. You believe in the guys who know what they're doing because they've proven it time and time again. They are really, really good at what they do for the Buccaneers. All right, so the last part of this, I want to go through about five or six names, and I want your, your guys' thoughts. Do you keep them? What do you do? And all that stuff. So Because, because again, you got some big, big names that you got to make some decisions on. First off, I want to. obviously we all know Winfield. He's not going anywhere. He's either going to get franchise tagged or signed. He ain't going anywhere, no doubt about it. 
depending on what you do with the franchise tag, do you extend Tristan Wirfs this year or do you make him play one more year? I, to me, I think you try to get an extension done with Wirfs this year at left tackle because it's only going to get more expensive at left tackle if you wait another year. That would be my thought with Tristan Wirfs. Try to get an extension done this offseason if you can. Yeah, I totally Peter? agree with that. Yeah, they're the two players to go with. So uh, there's one player I'm really waiting for your name to bring up, and we'll come to him. And he's got I'm the coming. same initial. He's got the same initials we've just been talking. But you're right. The two main ones, Winfield and Worths, and then you go with Baker. Well, yeah, and I think you. I think, yeah, I think you got to re-sign Tristan Worths. He clearly is the best young left tackle in the game. Not allowing pressures, not allowing sacks. You got to get that done because the price will only go up and. You know, if I'm worse than his agent, why don't I want to get the deal done? So you got to sweeten it up. Uh, hopefully you can get some cap relief from that deal. I agree with you. Tristan Worth should be re-signed, and I hope they get it done this offseason. The Bucks, looking at the salary cap situation, they're going to have about $47 million to the good of salary cap room as of today. But like Paul said, I think you'll see a couple of restructures where a guy like Godwin, his contract gets restructured, open up some money. Maybe a guy like Shaq Barrett, if he comes back, it's going to be at a much, much cheaper rate. Probably not, though, but I could, you know, if he comes back, but the guys like that. Um, all right, next guy I want to ask about, Devin White. What do you do with Devin bye. White? Bye. Bye. <laughs> Peter Blake? You should have been off this team. Uh, you know, probably one of the biggest mistakes is trying to hold on to him because, you know, whether he was injured or lack of want to, he definitely regressed. He's regressed ever since the 2020 postseason. I continue to scream at the top of the rooftops how K.J. Britt should have been your starting linebacker midway through the season after what you saw with Devin White. He's not even an 11 million linebacker at this point. I'll be very, very surprised if anybody pays him like he wants to get paid. In fact, I think he gets a one-year deal, most likely $10 million. But it's not going to be here. It's not going to be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He doesn't belong here. He's not a part of this locker room. He's regressed. Uh, I, I just think he's I, – I don't necessarily think it's just injury either. I think it's just want to. And you, you see what you got in White, right? I mean, when you drafted him, he was a young guy. He wanted $100 million. He played running back. He was raw. He was fast. He could somewhat tackle. But what was always the big question, Mark, gentlemen? He couldn't cover. Still to this day, we're sitting here in 2024 saying what? He can't cover. And you know how you know that? Because teams are scheming towards him. I go back to the Christian McCaffrey play in San Francisco. They're scheming that play to him. They're using your weakness against you. Did yeah. you notice how the defense actually got better with K.J. Britt as the starter? I think you may have your starting linebacker there. And furthermore, the best linebacker on this team is still, to this day, Levante David. And, and that's the next guy on the list. Paul Stewart. One-year deal, do you think? I think Levante wants to retire a buck. I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. As long as the Bucks are semi-fair with an offer, I think you'll see Levante back for another year. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he's always the first person TJ talks to after the game in the sideline. So he's a Buccaneer legend. The chances, I mean, the whole decision about Devon White or KJ Britt, it's like asking Peter, would you like another ice cream and pie in, in the press box? <laughs> it's no problem. No doubt. All right, next guy, Mike Evans. Obviously, Evans, 10 years in the league. 
He's, you know, Godwin's making more. This is the last year of the contract. One of the rare times that a guy actually plays out all six years of his extension. I mean, this was, he actually played out his money all six years. He got all of his money. So good for both sides for doing that. But now he's up for an extension. Obviously, he's, we know he's 30, 31 years old. You probably can't give him more than maybe a three year deal is probably the max. He's probably going to be in that 24 to $25 million range. Do you give him three years and, 75 million with you know 50 of it guaranteed peter blake absolutely you do and because he's still playing at a high level and because he's one of those bucks out there that you want uh to continue to see in that buccaneer uniform i mean who who wants to see another warren Sapp in a raider uniform who wants to see john lynch in the bronco uniform i don't i want to see him go down as Derek brooks i want to see him go down as ronde barber hell i want to see him go down as levante david i think both of those guys are re-signed they have to be re-signed because, uh, gentlemen, once again, can you imagine Evans out of this offense? I mean, it just doesn't work. It doesn't go. And then furthermore, I just don't want to see the nightmare of Mike Evans with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't want to see the nightmare of Mike Evans with the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud. I want to see him in pewter and red. Paul Stewart? Yeah, no, this is where I'm going to be. Yeah, I'm going to be more controversial. It would be nice to have him back, but it's not essential to have him back. The other players are more important. Winfield, Worths, Baker, they're the ones you do first. If Mike wants to come back, they will find a way to bring him back. But it would say it's a nice to have, not an essential to have. Because the reason they didn't extend him this year is because they weren't sure how he would play. Would he start to fall off a cliff in terms of performance? As it proved, he proven he had another good year. He's still one of the best. He's one of the three best receivers in the NFL. Okay, he didn't make starting pro bowl. So you have two receivers, and you, and you had you know Tyreek Hill, C.D. Lamb. That's fine. He was number three to them. So yes, I would like to bring him back, but I would not completely break the bank in terms of stupid guaranteed money to do it. And that that's my alternative viewpoint. Jason, what do you think? Oh, I'm with you. I think I think two or three year deal. You can't give him a five year deal for uh, you know 150 million dollars. You got to be you got to be smart about it. Make the cap. And I think and I think Mike realizes again for his legacy long term, he could play his entire career in Tampa. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer most likely all of his years in Tampa. The Bucks are still competitive. It's not like the Bucks were four and thirteen. I mean, he he sees the competitiveness. You've seen what he said about Baker Mayfield. So I think he likes being here. I think they'll figure out a way to get him back. And like Paul's great comment about Russell Gage, that's going to free up another 8 or $10 million of salary cap money that can be used to help get Mike Evans back. The emergence of Trey Palmer as a number three receiver helps. So that you got you have a cheap option there that you're 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 very cheap at tight end. So you can spend a little bit more at the skill. You're cheap at running back as well with Rashad White. So you can afford to overpay a little bit if you need to for Mike Evans. But like Paul says, you can't break the bank for Mike Evans. And that's where you have faith in Jason Line and the administration, uh, the administration, because they've been able to get these deals done. You know that the sky was falling when the Bucks win the Super Bowl and they're able to re-sign all their guys back. The sky is falling. They're able, once again, to re-sign all their guys. The sky is falling with Levante David and Jamel Dean supposedly going somewhere else, and they re-sign them. So I think this is where you have faith in Jason Light and Mike Greenberg and Jacqueline Davidson over there because they know what they're doing. And Bucks fans, just sit back, relax, put your seatbelt on because the rumors will be flying about Mike Evans supposedly going to those places that I mentioned in Kansas City, Houston, even the Chicago Bears. But at the end of the day, 
My prediction right now, it is a lock. Baker Mayfield will come back. Mike Evans will come back. Antoine Winfield will come back. Tristan Worse will come back. Levante David will come back. This organization and the administration knows what the hell they're doing. Just sit back and relax. And I'll say this. Days like today, we're in the middle of January, end of January, and you look out my look out my window, and it's sunny and 75 degrees. That stuff matters to players in the offseason. Do you want to live in Chicago or a Buffalo when it's 10 degrees and there's 10 feet of snow out your front door? Or do you want to be in a place like this, Paul Stewart, Gasparilla weekend, beautiful days, off-season days are beautiful for your family and your kids, Schools are great. No income tax in the state of Florida. Those kind of things all matter in these free agent decisions. Yeah, some of us don't live in Tampa where it's 75 degrees and sunny in the middle of January. So I've, I've just really got off you for that, Jason Powers, because I was playing golf yesterday where it was 42 degrees, windy. I had three layers of clothing on. So, yeah, I really don't like you. I'm going to bring up that Jets prediction pick again. going back to it guys i mean the big story is going to be baker mayfield how much money do you pay him do you think he's a mature enough player because he is 28 years old he's shown that maturity i don't necessarily think he's that same player he's going to make some mistakes but he's he kind of feels comfortable because this organization has allowed him to be baker do you think he would take a hometown discount because i continue on my show the sports web to hear no, he's going to take 40 to 45 million. He's got a significant other. Uh, you'd be crazy to take 10 or 15 million less. He's, but who's pay, Peter, who's paying him 40 million dollars? Who? I mean, there are teams Who? out there. I, I don't think there's anybody paying him 40 million dollars, but there has been that rumor out there that teams will, bad teams especially, will overpay for a quarterback. Who? Give that, me one. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons, I definitely think, would be in that conversation. I think possibly the Minnesota Vikings that they move on from Kirk Cousins. I think it is a quarterback league, and if you're not willing to get one of these or you're not able, that that's the better word, to get a quarterback in the draft, then you go in that direction. I see him signing for 25 to $30 million. Yes, I can do that. And I think the leverage is that the Bucs are loyal. They were loyal to him. They signed him a four and a half million dollar contract, but there weren't a lot of teams out there knocking on his door saying you could be the starting quarterback. And then furthermore, if you're Baker Mayfield, and I continue to go back to this, why has he not been successful in the league? Maybe it's immaturity. It's also because you have multiple head coaches, because you have multiple offensive systems. Now, my point is kind of defeated there with Dave Canales moving on, but I still think they're going to get a coordinator that's going to be able to have this same type of offense. If you're Baker Mayfield, do you want to start over again with another team? Say the Raiders. The Raiders need a quarterback, and they're willing to overpay you forty to $45 million. You want to go to Vegas, or do you want to stay in Tampa where you have the stability, and people will go, well, it's all about the money. No, it's not all about the money, and that's where the Bucks, in my opinion, will have the leverage with Baker. Paul Stewart, here's the question front offices ask themselves. Can Baker Mayfield take us to a Super Bowl? In in all seriousness, when it comes to the quarterback position, do you believe Baker Mayfield can take the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl? That's what makes these decisions in the end, long term. Yeah, I believe it more than I did six months ago. Now, just going back to this comment about free agents, quarterbacks, there are three teams out there out there desperate for a quarterback who won't get one in the draft. Atlanta, the Raiders, and Tennessee. 
there are two good free agent quarterbacks out there, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins. ESPN had their rankings of the best free agent quarterbacks. Sam Donald and Jameis Winston were in the top six. That is right. really shopping at the bargain counter at Walmart. So, yes, there is going to be demand because if you've got three teams that need quarterbacks and only two, three into two doesn't go. So there is going to be a market out there. So, yes, it's a question. I'd love to see him back, and I think he will come back, but there are other teams out there who want to try and get him. So, I, as I say, it depends. The Minnesota will move on from Kirk Cousins. What then do the Vikings do? Do they go looking for somebody else? So that's where you've got to look at what else is out there. You can't just look at it from a silo of what the Buccaneers are going to do. Right. And, yes, home advantage is, is good, but when people talk about taking a hometown discount, it's because we are only looking at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers think and what Buccaneer fans think. There's a whole right. world out there with 31 other teams, and that's what they have to consider. So, yeah, I'd like to see it happen, but don't forget it's a jungle out there, and there are other there are other tigers in the jungle as well. And one of those main tigers that hasn't been talked about is Russell Wilson, right, guys? I mean, that's kind of the wild card at this and point. And Justin Fields. Justin yeah. Fields. I, I still contend that the Bears are playing uh, a, a lot of great poker there. That would be a mistake to move off of Justin Fields. You got to build around that guy. You don't draft a quarterback. You, you push reset again. I don't think it's all on Justin Fields, but if you think, you know, drafting a quarterback, you know, the last two to three years, instead of building around that quarterback, unless you really think that Caleb Williams is the guy that's going to turn it around, I say you stuck, you if, stick Justin Fields. If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you could trade a second round draft pick for Justin Fields, would you do that over Baker Mayfield? No, I go with Baker Mayfield. Wow, that that is a in this day and age of football, he's six four, can run. He's thrown the ball well enough, not great, but well enough. That would be a that would be an interesting decision if the Buccaneers had that as an option. It's possible, I guess. I mean, what do you think, Paul? especially with a new, especially with a new offensive system about to come into play, Paul Stewart? Yeah, if I'm the Chicago Bears. Right now, I am keeping Justin Fields. I am trading that number one pick to a team round about seven or eight who will give you that their number one pick and another number one pick next year, which once again will be a high one, the same as they did with Carolina. And they can probably pick up a second and a third along with it. They could be absolutely loaded. So, in fact, when I said the Chicago Bears were going to win the NFC North, about four months ago. I didn't mean 2023. I meant 2025. Exactly. That's what we all meant at the end of the day. And I will say this, you know, you, you apply what you know, right, guys? I mean, have the Bucks ever been able to develop a young quarterback? No, I'm not saying they won't be able to, but they're better off with veteran quarterbacks. And Baker Mayfield is a veteran quarterback. Justin Fields, we've seen a little bit of flashes but he's still a young guy. I understand what Jason's saying because he could definitely run. He can throw. I, I think he's better in Chicago in that situation. We've never had a guy like that in Tampa that can run around, you know, that's got some mobility, run, you know, that can really utilize what the, what the pro quarterbacks are doing in this day and age. I'm just saying, if there was an offer out there for the Bucks to make a, make a move for Justin Fields, you give up a second-round draft pick? Would well, you not? I mean – I think you're going to give up two second-round picks and possibly okay. a first-round pick because the Bears know that he's in demand and he is a young player. But for me, I, Paul makes lots of sense. That's where I think the Bears are going. It only makes sense. You say, oh, we're going to go after Caleb Williams. You play that poker. You go with the poker face. You get somebody desperate 
to trade you three first-round picks, and then you start to build around fields because you have all these years, and already you're telling me, you know what, we're about to push reset. That's not a good team when you do that. When you push reset on a quarterback, you know, after three years, three, four years, that, that's not a good organization. I don't see the Bears doing that. I see more what Paul's saying. You get somebody to go up there to number one, take Caleb Williams, you get three first-round picks, you move down, you parlay that even to more picks because this draft definitely you can draft some positions there. Edge rusher, you got to improve on that defense, offensive line, maybe possibly another weapon there. You know, Keon Coleman, uh, Malik Neighbors. You get somebody beside DJ Moore and you build that way. That's how you build your team. La yeah, two years and two year maximum for Baker Mayfield. I don't think you, if you're the Buccaneers, I don't think you want to put your salary cap in jeopardy down the road. With with a monster deal, I think you give Baker two years, maybe sixty million, and go from there, and make him continue to earn it. He's got a he. His issue has been consistency. He's had flashes of brilliance, but can he put together back to back seasons of really good play? And he's not been able to do that as of yet. Three years, seventy five million. Uh, again, apply what you know. Geno Smith got the same type of deal there in Seattle. He how'd that go? And how'd that go this year? Well, I, I, I think I think it'd be better. I think it'd be better with Baker in this offense with Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. But it, again, it remains to be seen. You may be right about the two-year deal. I still go three years. You spread it out a little bit. Give him some stability. We'll see where it goes. And maybe the Bucks do draft a quarterback because, to me, I think the organization has told you that the book is closed on Kyle Trask. I know I may be jumping to conclusions. But you had the opportunity to play him in some key situations, especially the Carolina game, and instead you played an off-injured Mayfield over a Trask who was 100% healthy. All right, guys, let's. We're gonna wrap this up. I know. I know Paul Stewart's got a got a golf game to get ready for, practicing on the putting the putting green in his uh, living room. I'm sure. Paul, give give the Buck fans a little update of, of BuckPower.com through the spring, things that you're working on, and all the great uh, content that you put out on a daily basis, not just a monthly or weekly. Every single day there's new content at BuckPower.com. Yeah, working behind the scenes, renovating all the draft pages at the moment, looking back at past drafts, some of which were good, some of which were bad. But just something, I just want to do one last reflection on the 2023 season, because I was fortunate enough to come out for two weeks to see the game against Tennessee. I had the chance to play golf with one of my heroes, Steve DeBerg, and it was fantastic. I couldn't believe I was doing it. Someone I grew up watching, and now, and now I consider him a friend, and he's got his picture up on my wall behind me. And I sometimes think to myself, how did this happen? How does a guy from England get to be in these situations? And it's because I love the Buccaneers and I've done a lot of work with them. And then the other great moment for me was after the Tennessee game, because to me, watching the NFL is a very individual event. It's a Sunday night or early Monday morning event, which I watch on my own. And to end up down at the press box and Dale Mabry, you guys were there. Kevin Lamar, Scott Bradford was there. And it, it was just fantastic to all sit around TJ, and we talked football, and it was just lovely to be there. I remember saying to you guys, this is the highlight for me, to fly 4,000 miles, to share my appreciation of the Buccaneers. And that's why I do what I do on BuckPower.com, because I enjoy it. I'm known as the number one fan and historian of the Buccaneers, and I've worked on that for 40 years, and I will keep doing it. So thank you. Thank you to all of you listening, to everyone involved with the Buccaneers for making it so special for me as a Brit to be involved with your organization. Peter Blake. 
I mean, it was a great year, and I'm sad that it's over, but it really doesn't ever end, does it, Bucks fans? I mean, definitely go to buckpower.com if you want to reminisce about 2023, if you want to reminisce about uh, 2013, if you want to reminisce about 1993, if you want to reminisce about 1983, it's all there, every player, every stat. Uh, my final uh, statement is that football never ends, especially on the sports web on this program. And we got free agency. We got the draft. And of course, we got to get through these championship games, the Super Bowl. And then right then and there, it's the combine. And we're right back at it, fellas. And before you know it, when you wake up, here comes September and here comes the start of preseason and regular season. And we're back to talking again. It's been a pure pleasure for me to be involved with this platform, be involved with some great friends. And I tell you right now, not to get too emotional, but I had no idea that not only would I be involved with the great platform and thanks to the great TJ Reeves, but to have some great friends. And and and, that, and Paul, that that press box day after the, that was totally unplanned. Y'all didn't know that I was there. You guys just showed up after the game. We didn't know it. We didn't realize we were going to be meeting. So we had an awesome time watching the four o'clock games after that Tennessee victory. And it was awesome. The friendship and the camaraderie was tremendous. And uh, again, Buck Power TV also is the place you can go on YouTube for the montage. A lot of Paul's montages about the Bucks rivalries with teams, the great work he does putting those montages together that we use on this podcast as well. You can go to Buck Power TV on YouTube. We will have a we will have another no quarter given episode as free agency gets started in early March. Once that gets cranked up a little bit, and then we'll probably do a little draft preview before the draft here during the offseason as well. And obviously, if there's any breaking bucks news, any monstrous buck news that comes out, Peter and I will probably do a podcast recapping that stuff. But for Paul Stewart, for Peter Blake, I'm Jason. We really appreciate your guys' uh, attention to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Again, all we talk about, we love the Bucks. That's why we talk about it for you guys and for us. It's cathartic for us. I know Paul uh, Paul over in England loves it so much. And, Paul, you got to submit Peter Peter Blake's contract extension to Jason Light and Brian Ford once again for the 2024 season. We'll see <laughs> if it gets approved. Yeah, I'm gonna. I've already put a contract offer in to pay him the same as I did in 2023. My, my last comment is, when do pitchers and catchers report? <laughs> in a, in less than thirty days, I'm sure. Here down here at the Yankee Complex. <laughs> well, I got an idea. You know, if you guys ever wanted to do a race podcast, we could certainly do that, couldn't we, gentlemen? Yes. Yeah. I, how much you love well, Stu you Sternberg? Are, you are talking to someone who played 14 years in the British Baseball League, so I can do oh. that as well. I'm also the person watches every lightning game as well i really was born in the wrong country but hey i'll stick to coming over once a year to see you guys and ripping tj's ass on the golf course <laughs> well buck fans we really appreciate you finding us no quarter given podcast tell your friends about it subscribe rate and review if you haven't already done so if you want to leave comments reach out to peter and i on our twitter handles jpo sports and then peter blake on this facebook on the sports web find him online but again, buckpower.com, go to that website. It's updates every single day throughout the year, birthdays, celebrations, highlights, whatever it is, buck-related. Buckpower.com is the place to go. Paul Stewart, enjoy your uh, 42 degrees and, and wintry weather in, in lovely England. Peter Blake, enjoy however many plates you're eating today for the, for the title games. And fans, we'll see you come March, come free agency. Thanks for finding us on the buckpower.com. No Quarter Given Podcast. Have a great rest of your 
weekend. Go Bucks! Go Bucks! Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.